When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet rope let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only gina shock Woo-hoo! i'm i'm good feeling happy i'm ready to hang out with my friends i'm coming back east which is where i'm from and i mean i love the west coast i love living here but i am definitely an east coast girl and i look forward to coming back uh many times a year Come on back. I mean, I am in LA every January and or February, but I live in New York and I'm such an East Coast. I'm I'm an East Coast girl too, Gina. So there we go. <laughs> Where are you from? Are you I'm, from LA? I grew up between New York and Connecticut. So I'm like East oh, Coast all okay. the way. Oh, well, you're an East Coast kid. Yeah, you are. You definitely I, I am East Coast. Well, listen, I wanted to start by saying congratulations, Made in Hollywood, the book. I know it came out last year, but you have been everywhere this year. We were just talking before you went on air. You have another book signing coming up. The other one sold out. You've been really busy with, 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 with this book. I, You know what, David? I feel like, like one of the luckiest people in the world. I've been, <clears throat> my life has been a dream. It was my dream as a child and it all came true. <laughs> it's like, and you know, I am getting all getting old now. I'm going to be, I just turned 65, which is fucking, cr- oops, which is crazy. Sorry. You can swear your, I have a horrible mouth, so you can swear okay. in here. So, I mean, I can't believe that like, I mean, whatever that number is, is not who I am. That's all I know. Like numbers are just bullshit. They don't mean anything because I don't think that way. I don't look that way. I don't feel there's nothing about me, whatever that age is, but it's all changed. It's changed in the last 20 years. Let's face it, 30 years. But I have just been having the best life. Um, you know, the Go-Go's has been really, the Go-Go's have been so good to me. Um, everybody's busy doing different things in the band. I'm hoping we get back together at one point. I don't know, but um, you know, I love that band. I'm super grateful to have been in the band and we are still around. And I, wrote a book, put a book out of, of all my photographs and, and my stories about being in the band. And, you know, I get to play drums. I get to write songs. I get to travel all over. I just got back from Egypt. It was fabulous. It's all good. You know, I have- you guys, as you get older, it can get, well, I don't know if it gets better, but it doesn't get worse. 
I mean, it can be, it's all up to you. You got to stay positive and like keep yourself busy. Staying busy, David, is the key to everything. I agree with like everything you just said. Now, before we went on the air, you asked me how old I was. And I did, and I told you, you're now one of like four people to know how old I am. But you too, yes, you do not look 65. You do not act 65. I'm not saying that's old. I'm just saying like, and I agree with you. I mean, I've been to Egypt traveling, like staying busy is the absolute key. And I really do think it gets better the older you get. I do. It certainly can if you have a good group of friends around you, people that love you, that kind of thing. I know it sounds kind of sappy and ridiculous, but it is true. All the things that our parents taught us, they come around and they are true. You know, they just, it winds up that way. And, you know, uh, I, I've been living all that, that dream my whole life. Uh, but it, you know, it takes, you, you gotta stay focused. You gotta, I mean, you can get a little off track. Drugs come into the picture at one point or another, you know, in the business I'm in anyway. Um, and you hopefully you get through that and you move on and you continue to have your life, what you're supposed to do. Um, and, and I've just, I just am happy about everything is all I can say. And Egypt was incredible. I had no idea. I was expecting something much different. When did you go? I went before the pandemic. I probably, it, listen, it, I don't know about you, but my memories all blend together, which we'll talk about in the, this book, looking back at your <laughs> photographs. So I would say if I had to take a guess, I would say I went somewhere between like 2016 and 2019. I truly don't remember other than that. How long I did went, you go for? Like probably a week, 11 days at the most. I'm I'm a very quick traveler. Like whatever the minimum is to really that they suggest, I go with that. And maybe even shave a day off. Probably like seven days. Yeah. The, the jet lag is, is merciless. I mean, it's tough. I'm just getting back to sleeping uh, through the eat the night, you know? The main thing is like for people that haven't been is like they think the pyramids are five hours away. They're literally like right outside town. Like here's your hotel and here's like- There's a, the pyramids, right? Yeah. You stay at the Marriott Mena? Yeah. Yeah, because like you- go outside and there's the pyramids right, right there. there it's like yes. crazy um anyway what what was the process like of writing this book you know like look we live in this instagram age like, i take so many pictures i post them i never look back at my pictures like you know sitting there and going through like a 40 plus year career with the go-go's and what was this process like this was a pain in the ass but it, it needed to be done it was time um, I've had, you know, I've been taking photographs. I, mean, I always love photography, you know, in my house, most of my art is, is photography, um, pieces that I actually put money, you know, spend money on. Um, and so it's all, I've loved it since I was a kid with my little Instamatic, um, which you see in the book, driving across country, taking photos, uh, you know, with my Instamatic, but, but, um, putting this all together, I never thought I could do it. I put it off for decades, actually. The band was encouraging me to, to do it um, because, you know, you know, some, when we'd go out on tour, I'd bring a lot of times I'd bring a bag full of photos and we'd go through them and get hysterical, laughing at all the crap we did um, and how insane we were. And thanking God um, that the Internet wasn't around and, and, and iPhones or <laughs> we'd have been in jail a lot. Anyway, um, <laughs> um so I, I found the right person to help me get it together, a fellow named Steve Perget. And he and I sat down over, uh, you know, the first year of the pandemic. And we spent like a year, over a year, about a year and a half, 
putting it all together, you know, going through photographs, speaking on the phone every day um, and writing the story. Because initially um, when Steve came up to look at the photos I had and then he was like, oh, my God, Gina, we're going to get a deal. This is not going to be a problem. And we did get a deal quite easily. Um, But I just wanted to have like a go-go's coffee table photo book because that was is was and still is my primary interest. Um, you know, I'm getting to do some photo exhibitions, which is really cool. Um, but um, the um, publisher came to me and said, you know, what do you think about writing? And Steve was encouraging me to write. But I, my whole thing was like, you know, I'm not a writer. I can write songs, but I don't know. You know, I, I can write two or three minute little little uh, stories here and there. But really, truthfully, I don't think I can do a book. Well, it is sort of that old saying, you know, a, a photo tells a million, what is it, a million stories or whatever, yeah. a million words or whatever that bullshit uh, thing is. But I did, when I started looking at those photos, it just poured out. It would, it just poured out, you know, it wasn't hard to find the words. It, they, it just came very easily. I can't get over that I actually like am an author now too. I couldn't believe I wrote that. And so I'm super proud of it because it was something I didn't think I could do. But you know what, David? If you, you know how it's always been my life. In my life is like, if I'm presented with a, a, with a, a, with something that is like, I don't know if you can do that. If you throw yourself into it, you just do it. You fucking do it. And, and then you surprise yourself. Wow, I'm really good at that too. Did you have emotions like looking, you know, writing these, you know, writing these stories and looking at all these pictures? Like, did it bring up any emotions or just oh, any, like, yeah. you know what it, it, what it did do this band? I mean, I, I said it in the book, it, we are a family and we have our ups and downs. Um, and I say this all the time. So I don't, sometimes I don't like the girls, but I always love them. I'll always love them, you know, and we do go through, through phases where we don't speak to each other. It is just like a family, except this family or our marriage, we've been together over 40 years. That's pretty tough to have five girls over 40 years. That's, and we're still here. It's crazy. So um, I have to say though, through that whole process, and even now when I look at the book, it brings me a lot of joy more than anything because there were tough times, but the good times so far outweighed anything that, that wasn't pleasant or you know a happy memory. Um, and so it was all good. The process made me just smile and made me feel warm and good. I wish that I wish that all the, the other four girls could have been doing this with me because it would have warmed our heart about everything. You know, you need you need reminders of all these things that have happened in your life. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle? That gets you high. Yet. That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. 
But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or of course, popsicles that get you high as What are you waiting for? Go to indicloud.co slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. This summer, my Hamptons house has seriously turned into a hotel. And although I love my friends dearly, there's not been one visitor that's come without needing to borrow something. I keep extra toothbrushes, extra toothpaste, soap, anything they might need. Well, turns out I also now have several relief bands on hand. True story, we were going from my house in Sag Harbor to East Hampton the other night. The Uber is stopping and going. These roads are so windy in the Hamptons. I had my relief band on, so I was fine. Didn't realize I'm not the only one of my friends that gets completely car sick. Do you know that relief band is the number one FDA-approved anti-nausea wristband that's been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting? I use it regularly, and it really does work. It's for motion sickness, anxiety, migraines, hangovers, even morning sickness and chemotherapy. It's perfect for those unexpected nausea-inducing moments. Right now, I have an exclusive offer just for Behind the Velvet Rope listeners. If you go to reliefband.com and use promo code VELVET, you get 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use promo code VELVET for 20% off plus free shipping. When the, you you do need reminders, when this band was first forming, like I know, you know, like Charlotte and Gina and Belinda were there kind of first, and then you and Kathy came, like, how did you hear about this? And what was your reaction? Listen, it was a different time, right? So like the late 70s, it's going to be an all, you know, girl band, we're going to write our own music, like, well, how, I don't even know how you got involved. Really well, there was no plan, David, there, it wasn't like it was planned out. Uh, Charlotte and well, no. Uh, Belinda and Jane and the original bass player Margo were all buddies hanging out and they put a band together and they just picked up their instruments because uh, we were a punk band. They, they were punk days. Whereas, you know, you just wanted to hang out with your friends and that meant picking up an instrument and playing it. And that was music, whatever, however it turned out was good because you got to hang out with your friends and everybody came to each other's shows, supported each other. So they found Charlotte, who was in a band called The Eyes, and they asked her, I think, after a show, hey, you want to join our band? It's an all-girl band. We're called The Go-Go's. So Charlotte left The Eyes and joined The Go-Go's. She could actually play a bit. She was, she was, you know, she she had been playing more than the others, put it that way. Then I came along. I had driven with my friend Babs from, um, from Baltimore, my dad's pickup truck, which is all in the book and then much more detail in the book. Um, and I got to LA and I knew I had three friends there and I, I stayed with my friend, Steve and, and, um, and he would say to me, Gina, and he was part of the reason why I actually moved to LA because he would say to me, you know what, you are so talented. You need to find a band out here and you're, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. So when I went back to ball, Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. I was in a band with a, uh, with a woman named Edie Massey who was in John Waters films and she was, uh, you know, a person that I would see probably every other day. She lived in Fells Point and had her had her thrift store called Edie's Shopping Bag. So I would always go in and visit her. She'd be sitting behind the cash register with her cat, Lovey, and her uh, woman servant, um, her <laughs> Jeannie. She waited on her hand and foot. Jeannie looked like a witch. But bless her heart, she 
she was really good to Edie. Um, anyway, so I would go in and visit her. And one time, one day I went and she said, oh, Gina, I'm, I'm putting together, oh, Gina, I'm putting together a punk rock band. Do you want to join? We're going to go to New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco. And I was like, yes, Edie. Because, you know, it, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself again because at 11, I had an epiphany. I saw Led Zeppelin opening for The Who and it's all in the book, but I get so it excited is. talking about it. No, this. it is all in um, the book. And, and I knew at the age of 11 that this is what I want to do, or so as much as an 11-year-old could. I I knew I had to be on that stage. I didn't know what I was going to play, but I, as it turns out, drums were easy, were the easiest instrument for me to play. And so that's what I continued playing. Um, uh, anyway, fast forward to Edie. Yes, I want to join the band. We put together this, this band very quickly, and we... Got, got to it. We went and played in, we played in New York. We First time I'd ever been on a plane, I was 21, flew to, to LA, then went up to San Francisco and played. And then when I got back to Baltimore, it was, you know, I, I'm going to make the move. Now I am not afraid. I know three people in LA. I knew two, I know two people in San Francisco and I know two or three people in New York City. So I had to figure out which place I wanted to go. So I spent a little time in each, each city. And when I got back, it was like, LA, uh, even though New York is closer to Baltimore and my parents are very big in my life, we're always very big in my life. Um, LA, I was, I knew I could make it there. The cost of living was tolerable. I knew, I knew I could do it. Um, and so moved out there. Steve took me to see a bunch of bands and he said, there's this band called the Go-Go's. I want you to go see them. You're going to kick that drummer out. You're going to get in the band. You're going to make them famous. And of course I'm like, yeah, of course, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as it turns out, I had been I had been playing in bands in Baltimore and had a jump start on the other girls because I had been playing my instrument for, for several years, for five or six years compared to uh. the other girls who just sort of picked their instruments up. So I met them. I'm sorry, I keep talking. I'll shut up. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, I, I have no question. I'm just taking coffee. it all Don't in. get me going, Daddy. Um, Listen, I, this is all I need is my coffee, too. I gotcha, um, honey. Um, anyway, so... Uh, Okay, so I saw, I went, he took me to see them play, and they were a hoot. You know what? It wasn't about musicianship. It wasn't about being a great songwriter. It wasn't about being a great vocalist. They were just on stage having fun. And that element was missing in my quest for becoming uh, a rock star. I was way too serious. I, you know, everything had to be perfect. Such a Virgo, right? Um, and so I thought they were great. I loved them. And they were invited to Steve's brother, Doug. That's the Martin brother, Steve Martin, Doug Martin, not Steve Martin Lee, but another filmmaker. And Doug also wound up, they, they both wound up staying in, in the career of the Go-Go's when we were having, they did our videos and album covers and they're still dear friends of mine. Anyway, let me get back here, rewind. Okay, so Steve took me to see them, loved that. Then Doug had a party at his place in Venice. And remember, this is when everybody hung out with each other. And the mask was happening, which was like crazy, insane, uh, in the basement of a porn theater. And uh, you could rent it out for really cheaply. We all, everybody had their, uh, their um, um, studios there where they could rehearse. So anyway, that's another story. Um, so I meet them at, at, at Doug's party. And I think it was... Belinda, Jane, and Margot, and 
and they were like, you know, we're, we have a band. Do you want to join our band? We're looking for a drummer. Well, I was already in two bands because, you know, being a, a female drummer back then was a big deal, you know, and I guess the novelty of a female drummer, but I could actually play. Not great, but I could play. Uh, I could hold my own. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested. So God bless Steve. He let me, when I came to California, I brought everything. I brought all my vinyl, all my clothes. I brought a PA. I brought my PA because you had to have your own PA when you played in clubs back then. All of my drums, guitars, uh, um, a, a couple um, uh, amps, everything. And Steve let me set it up in his living room in Beverly Glen, which was crazy. We used to have good parties there. And um, um, <laughs> so they came over. That was like on a Friday. They came over on a Sunday and brought their, you know, bass guitar. Belinda came. Um, and uh, we started playing. And they oh, they got they dropped me off a cassette. So I, I learned several songs. And one of them was Beatnik Beach, okay? And um, when I started playing that, everybody started smiling. The deal was done. I knew I was in the band. I knew they loved me. I loved them. I quit the other bands, joined the Go-Go's. They got rid of their drummer the next day, and we were off to the races. It started. Wow. The Go-Go's were, were there. And then, of course, Kathy came in later after Margot was sort of couldn't control what was going on in her life. And... Uh, we were do we were going we went to England with her but then she got in trouble and couldn't go out of the country and that's another story but uh then Kathy brought came in not that long afterwards um like within the within a year or le less than a year and it was it was tight because Kathy Kathy had come from Austin and she was a player she played in different bands and so did I so you know you got the rhythm section you got the foundation the bedrock of that band and we rehearsed like crazy. And I brought in my crazy ass work ethic to the girls about rehearsing, you know, five days a week after you finish your work, not rehearsing a couple times a month. And it changed up drastically. I knew there was something about the girls. Well, besides the fact that I just adored them and they were, they, they interacted with the audience. They were having fun. I needed that badly. And so we sort of both meld into each other and knew knew it was going to work and we we added things to each other that that we both needed as a band and as, did, as band members did you know it was going to work because okay so now your debut album beauty and the Bee," it goes to number one it stays there for you know weeks and weeks it sells like several million copies yeah. you know like it was the first time like all female writing your own songs i mean did you were you like okay well this is what i i i could have told you this or was it like holy shit what what well it was a mixture of both i can only speak for myself and i always thought i was going to make it i really I firmly believe that that things were going to happen, but I'll tell you something. When it did, we were so busy in the moment and living it and doing it that none of us really, I don't think, understood what was happening and didn't appreciate it for what it was. Of course, in retrospect, you know, it's a miracle. It's an incredible feat. Um, and but as it's happening, you're so busy doing it, just. You 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 don't appreciate it, like you sh or we didn't anyway. I didn't, you know. It was like, oh yeah, of course this is happening. Of course it is, you know. Do you have like once? I mean, look, there are a lot of stories in this book made in Hollywood, but do you have a since you're here? Do you have like one story that sticks out or something that just from making that first album, like you know, early '80s, 
LA, the punk scene, like well, does something LA, stick out? LA in the in the early 80s, late 70s was such a magical time there um, for music because it was sort of anything goes and everybody was open. And on the radio, on the same station, you could hear reggae, you could hear pop, you could hear sky, you could hear uh, uh, R&B, you could hear everything. You know, it wasn't sort of like, you know, one channel just plays this particular genre of music. Um, it was all mixed up. And 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 I that was a great time for music, you know. Um, it, it wasn't so hardcore as far as the business element is concerned in, in the music. It is a music business. Don't get me wrong. But it, it felt like you had like a creative freedom that was sort of people like record people were accepting of it more it, it because it was all new things were happening and like here's an all-girl band there's never been an all-girl band I mean it wasn't easy to get a record deal don't get me wrong but um you know going with a small indie label like IRS and a fellow there named John Guaneri who actually saw us play and went and told Miles Copeland you got to see this band I mean because all the major labels were like what they all passed they wouldn't they wouldn't give us a, a record deal. They would give us an EP deal, right? You know, three or four song EP, but they wouldn't do a full record. Well, IRS uh, and Miles Copeland and Miles, whose brother is, was a drummer for the police um, and he managed the police and he had IRS um, and his other brother, Ian, had a booking agency called FBI. So it was all in the family and we loved that family uh, and we were a part of it. And it was, that was another, it's a great time. A wonderful time, actually. Rocket Money has helped me so much, and I really think it can help you. You know, I'm always having to watch certain TV shows to do research for all these interviews I conduct here on this podcast. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't got time to watch the whole show. I just watch the bare minimum of what I need to do to prepare, and then I'm not going to watch the show again. So because of that, I have to subscribe to so many TV streaming services, and then I forget to cancel my subscriptions. I'm really busy. That's where Rocket Money has come in. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your own unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Do you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forget about? That means 80% of you listening. Rocket Money quickly and easily finds all your subscriptions. And any you don't want to pay for anymore, you just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. That's Rocket rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. Let me say it one more time. Rocketmoney.com slash velvet rope. Well, you know, yes, you mentioned the police. You guys opened for the police on your first tour. You went, you know, all over the world. Like, Oh, David, I'm sorry. Excuse me, but I forgot. I, I got ahead of myself, which I continually keep doing. Um, I, to finish up about LA and in the, you know, the, the, the late seventies, early eighties, the scene, the punk scene was incredible because as I said, everyone was so supportive of each other. You could go see two or three shows a night because people would play at like, you know, eight, then they'd play at 10 and then they'd play at one. So, you know, if you missed your buddies playing, then you'd run to, to another show and see them play later. Then they'd leave there. They'd come see you play. I mean, it was really fun and it was different than like, I just remember the thing that I loved about, about LA is, as I said, how supportive each, each, each uh, band member was of their other, of, of other bands because like in New York, um, I just remember being like, 
more of a competitive vibe. And it wasn't that vibe in LA. I love that. And San Francisco, I love, but I didn't feel like, I felt like I needed to either be in, ultimately needed to be in New York or LA because that's where the labels were. That's where I felt like, you know, I mean, there was sub pop, there were some small labels in San Francisco, but I, we, of course, I'm thinking big labels. We wound up signing to an independent label, but look what happened. Uh, anyway, so move, fast forward to, um, yeah, Miles, um, uh, we, we were go, we were on tour. We were in a goddamn like 16 seater van tour in the country, which is in the book as well. Um, and, um, it was really tough. Uh, but we were in our early twenties and we were having the time of our lives and we were just living the life. Uh, it was, it was rough, but you, you had the energy then. And it was like, God damn it. We're going to make it. We're going to show these bastards. We can really do something here. Um, and, and, uh, after touring all over the country, then miles came to our manager, Ginger Canzanari, who, who was wonderful and had, had faith in us and, and was just a friend hanging around the scene who then started managing us, which was like what it was all about. Friends helping out friends. Um, and, um, uh, wait a minute. I'm getting ahead of it. Okay. So now I lost my train of thought. Shit. About, well, I don't even know what I, my question technically was. I know, was. I know, because I keep, ra- but I keep No, no, ra- no, but it's, it's all, but like about like, well, when I was just going to oh. say, yes, go on. Oh, so here, here we go. I'm back. I'm back on track. So Ginger then came to us and said, oh, Miles wants you guys to open for the police. What do you think? And we're like, are you kidding? Yeah, we want to open for the police. So we dumped our 16-seater van, which we wrecked a couple times. It was terrible. Um, And um, started touring with the police. And we were opening for them in uh, 20,000-seat arenas all over the country. And what started changing was... You know how when you go to a show, you usually don't go to see the opener. You're there to see the main act. Well, people started coming to see the opening act as well. And that was us. And it was the perfect package, you know. I mean, great pop songs with great rhythms and powerhouse drumming and, you know, the whole thing. We were we were we were a perfect package. Um, and uh, that elevated us, elevated us to sort of the next level of um, we got on Saturday Night Live and then we sold a million records, you know, in a, a month after that. And, uh, you know, it just it started happening really quickly after that. That changed that changed the trajectory of the band like majorly. Was there one moment like defining or was it like, oh, we're opening for the police and now people are coming for us where you were like, you know, fame and like, wait, like people know our names were being stopped in the street. Like, do you have that first memory of like, holy shit, like this is really happening? You know, I don't have a, I'm surprised I can remember anything to be honest with you. Um, But, and I really mean that. Uh, But I, but I, I just remember my overall feeling was like, Oh my God, uh, my parents are proud of me. I know they're proud of me. Look where I'm, I'm playing in, in places that I went to as a kid to see other bands play. Like one of a major show in my mind was playing at Meriwether Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland, because that's where I saw my first show, Zeppelin opener for the Who, which is a one-time, which, you know what I just found out like six months ago, that was a one-time deal. I, I stupidly had thought, oh, maybe they were doing a tour together because that was the first year that Zeppelin came over to the States. But that was a one-time show only. That only ever happened once. And my brother mm. took me to that show. 
So wow. and and and, I, and uh, several many years later, I'm playing on the same stage as the, as the, as the first show I ever saw, which changed my life. Um, wow. That was big. Another big moment was playing Madison Square Garden and selling it out in the round, and my parents being there, sitting on the side of the stage. That was pretty amazing to me. Um, you know, selling out the Hollywood Bowl. These were milestones, and, and in anyone's career, they're big things. Uh, yeah. Of course, Harry Styles sells out 50 nights in a row, but that's Harry. You gotta love Harry, right? I've got a question about Harry later because I know you're a Harry fan. Oh, I am. Oh. I am. Well, after, you know, after Beauty and the Beat, we had vacation, we had talk show, like, you know, during the height of, you know, look, there's been so much written about, like you mentioned drugs earlier, right? Like drugs were a part of the scene. They're a part of the they business. Were. They, they were, were a part of your band. Like you didn't really go to, like, I know Belinda, look, I read Belinda's book. I read Kathy's book, Charlotte's been open. It didn't seem like you really went down that road yourself. No, I, I, you know, everybody was busy doing a lot of blow and that was not my drug. And I, I really wasn't, wasn't that whacked out during that period of time, whereas the other girls pretty much were. And, um, you know, because I'm, I'm always like, I have so much energy, I could explode half the time. So Coke, obviously, is not what I'm interested in. I would, they'd be doing Coke, and I'd be doing like Valium, or smoking pot, or something, you know. Um, I started to have a drug problem in the 90s when I was not, you know, really doing much or just sort of spotty, spotty work here and there. Um, but, you know, we kept it together uh, as long as we could during that decade because, because we had to. And, you know, we had the machine behind us. And unfortunately that machine wasn't taking care of us in the way they should have, you know? Um, and, there was no playbook for this. We, we, this was a new experience, all this for us. And to be in your early twenties and have everything, get everything you want. Drugs are given to you free. You don't have to pay for anything. You're waiting on hand and foot. It, it can get a little crazy. And, and it did at times, but look, we're all here to talk about it. And that's the bottom line, right? You know, I mean, it happens. Absolutely. I say the exact same thing you said. I'm like, I, no one believes me. I'm like, I've never touched, I've never tried cocaine. I'm like, this energy, do you think that I need it? Are you crazy? <laughs> like, it, there's, that's the last thing I need. Like, no, thank you. Gotcha. I but, got you. And you know, also, David, excuse me, but you've got to remember that the 80s was without a doubt the decade of excess. You know, it, everything all the time. I mean, it really was. Really was. It, it lived up to that, you know. It certainly did live up to that. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? Isn't that what the kids say? We talk more about the decade of excess, the 80s. We get into the breakups. I mean, the Go-Go's broke up. The breakups, the makeups, the offs, the ons, the touring, and how they've remained family throughout all of this. We talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame introduction, induction. We talk about the musical, Head Over Heels, solo careers, Belinda, her current loves, Harry Styles, working with Miley and Selena Gomez. We are just getting started, so stay tuned for part two of our chat with the one and only icon, Gina Shock. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope, because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, 
subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.